Yeah, come on up, you guys. We're not going to take any more time from them. They're going to minister. We receive all that you have. We receive all the new more, all the new more that you carry. I, all I'm going to say is what I put on social media. Friends like this are true riches, and they are friends to us and friends of this church, and they are true riches. So just soak it all in this morning. Yeah, can we just extend your hands to them? I just want to bless you guys really quickly. Lord, we bless Duncan and Kate, Lord. We thank you for what they've deposited into this house over this event, Lord. And um, I just felt like the Spirit of the Lord said, catch the fire is just going to blow up in the coming years. And I just felt like the Lord said, there's new things on the horizon, even for you guys. There's, there's fresh things. There's fresh oil that is coming. There's fresh oil that is coming. And I felt like the Lord said that there's a praise and worship movement that's coming. There's a worship movement coming to catch the fire that's going to just blow up well beyond anything you guys could have ever imagined. So, Lord, we just thank you for them. We bless them, God, and we just thank you for who they are and for the way that they raise up emerging leaders, for the way that they speak into pastors and leaders everywhere, Lord. We just thank you, Jesus, for everything that you are doing, God, and we just ask you for more in Jesus' name. We bless Catch the Fire world, every church that is connected to them, in Jesus' name. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. You may have to give it to Kate first. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Whoa. Thank you, Holy Spirit. What happened? Oh, I, I'm sorry. I was out of it. Uh, <laughs> wow. Oh, I just feel like a rushing wind just came in the room then. Oh, you. Ooh. <sighs> There's just so much I, I feel like I want to say and just... Just echo with the honor that was on that video that um, Will was talking about you two. And just your steadfastness, your faithfulness, your courage. Because we know what it felt like to be associated with the move of God in Toronto. Not everybody liked it, right? And so sometimes you can be pioneers in a new thing, but not everybody is an early adopter. And I just felt the pleasure of the Father over you two for being pioneers and early adopters of His Spirit. Oh, that mighty rushing wind, the new wine, the oil, and the fire. Ay, 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 ay. And that He is so pleased with your family here, mm. all of you who've said, I don't care whether it costs me my reputation mm. to be associated with this move of Abba. God. The unacceptable move of God, sometimes it's been seen as. Because when you let go and let God, you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. And you pay a price sometimes for the manifestations that sometimes we we don't understand but in it God is doing something amazing and I just want to say to your leadership as well and to your leaders and elders in this room because you're all part of this don't be afraid to pay the price to steward in another move of glory like we've never seen before. Oh, come on. You know, I, I made a decision when I left the UK, when we left the UK in 2000, to join John and Carol Arnott's team and be associated. We'd already said, I'm all in for Jesus. Yeah. We were doing it for Jesus. And we didn't mind that we were seen as the crazy revival people. 
And we went with it. And I just feel like here you represent a whole group of people that God wants to bring in that are willing to pay the price for the next move of God. Come on. And Andrew and Emily, I want to bless you to stand on your mom and dad's shoulders, to stand on the shoulders of all the leaders that have made this a 70-year success in the kingdom and take that DNA, that heritage, and that wild pioneering spirit to the ends of the earth. And you can reach the ends of the earth. We know that those that are watching online now are at the ends of the earth, many of them. But I just see a new wave, a new wind in the spirit of what he's coming to do. And earlier this year when the nation began to open up and the Lord said, keep traveling, get traveling again. We were invited to churches and as I was traveling, as we were going, the Holy Spirit showed me a map of the USA because it was only the USA at that time, but it's the nation that we've been called to because this nation has got a history, a deep history of stewarding revival. And he's called us here, all of us, for such a time as this. No one is too old. No one is too young. It goes from generation to generation. And as as I was praying about what we were to do in this season, I saw the Lord's highlight a map with all these markers. You know how you put the pins in the map and the places you travel? And I said, Lord, what are they? And he said, they are all the fires that are burning in my churches and my ministries across this nation. And it, the map was absolutely flooded with fire. There were, it was so joined. So I declare... This is a fireplace, a fireplace filled with the fire, the fresh fire that you are building an altar, a house of prayer for all nations, that this is a place where people in the DNA have come and got freed and healed and set on fire and sent all over the cities in this region and all over the nations of the world. So I bless that call to go to another level in Jesus' name. I bless you, Stephen Marcy, as apostles in this movement to pioneer the next thing that God has got for you. And I see more fire in the nations than you've seen before. Stephen Marcy, more fire in the nations than I've seen before. And I bless you in Jesus' name. And we thank you for your friendship. We love you. You're so amazing. I wanted to share briefly before Duncan gets up to preach, but about two weeks ago, just before we were flying up to Canada, we've just been in Canada for a week, and... Um, it was about six in the morning. You know when you're in that time when you're just beginning to wake? All of a sudden, it was still dark outside. All of a sudden, I heard this. And I was like, Duncan, there's somebody at the door. And he just turned over and went back to sleep. <laughs> but you know, when, you be, when you're a mother, you always hear your kids. When you're a grandmother, you still hear the kids. He always turns over and goes back to sleep. <laughs> we have three grandchildren and one on the way, so we're blessed. And um, it's lovely to see. We've ha we have one just the same age. Um, so I was like, somebody at the door. But I was kind of a bit frightened because it was dark. And I was like, oh, my goodness, maybe it's a neighbor. Somebody needs help. And but I'm not sure. So, and we live out in the country. So it's like, ooh, the next thing. I said, Duncan, there's somebody at the door. So I, I just thought, I better get up. I grabbed my robe and snuck to the front door. We've got glass doors. And I thought, I'm not going to unlock that door until I turn the lights on. Turn the lights on. I said, nobody there. Oh, wow. That was so real went back to bed. A few days later, we were up in Canada. It was about three days later. I'd just dropped off to sleep, and 
Duncan said, you were talking in your sleep. I said, what did I say? He said, there's somebody at the door. Three times in about three days. And I began to share this with some of our leaders around Catch the Fire last week. We have this global connection on Zoom with um, our pastors and leaders all over the world. And I started getting texts. I've been hearing the knocking too. I've heard an alarm clock and it wasn't there. And, and all these signs beginning to point that God was trying to get our attention. And I was drawn to Revelation 3.20 that says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. The one, and then it goes on, and, and it's just got the last couple of verses. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. And somebody, when they texted me back, it was Patricia Bootsma. She says, I've been hearing that knocking too. And so was Lou Engel. I was like, oh, okay. Well, we'll be paying attention. But she said, and, and it goes straight on. The next thing he saw was the door standing open in heaven. And the voice saying, come up here. So there's an invitation at the moment that Jesus is knocking on the door of the church. There was an urgency. There's an urgency of this hour. And he's saying, will you open the door and let me in so I can come and dine with you? That I can come and be with you in your most intimate place, which is your home, which is your heart. Will you, in this hour, listen to what I'm saying to my church? That it's no longer about the programs alone. It's no longer about your name, your platform. It's about whether you will come and dine with Jesus, whether you will accept the invitation for another level of intimacy. And Justin, as you were just leading us this morning to look at Jesus, to look at those fiery eyes of love, He's marking you. He's marking you and this whole church and a generation in this nation and the nations of the world where you will just want one thing and you'll be wrecked for the love of Jesus. You and Paige carrying that standard. And the Lord's shown me that there's a true north that he's leading us back to, which is the eyes and his face, his face and his eyes. And I bless you to lead us as lead worshipers into that throne room first love encounter. I bless you to run with that and not to be ashamed. And don't be comparing yourself with other worship leaders about their songs. Your songs are going to have one theme, one theme, one theme. And I just see a radical love movement rising up in this place as you keep the fire burning on the altar, Steve and Marcy and the team. And the Lord says, thank you. Thank you for making ministering to me your primary priority. Wow. Wow. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Shikabanda. Hello. Whoa. Oh, honey, I just, I'm so sorry that I didn't get up. <laughs> I do. I like my sleep and I feel like the Lord just spoke to me just then. He said that that's exactly where the church is. Like you, Duncan. Just like the comfort of your bed, lying there, and didn't want to wake up at 5 a.m. and go check the door. And uh, I should have got my gun. <laughs> I got a lot of guns, and they're a lot more dangerous than any Texan guns. They're the Holy Ghost guns. Shika <laughs> banga. I should have gone with my Holy Spirit gun to the door like a man. But I rolled around in bed like a wuss. 
Father, I ask your forgiveness for lying in bed when you were knocking on the door of our home. I thank you with all my heart for my wife, whose heart's so tuned to you, she jumped out of bed when you knocked the second time. Lord, I pray that you'd wake me up to your soon coming. I thank you that you're coming. And it's getting really, really late now. And I ask that you'd wake up all of us in your body all over the world. That we would be a bride fully awake, ready for the return of her bridegroom. In Jesus' name, amen. It's not a coincidence, your names, Justin. God's turning a new page just in time. Not just in time for this church, but just in time for Jesus coming back. Because that's what you've been preparing us for all weekend. Getting us so in love with Jesus again that all we want is him to come back. The sad thing about the state of the world right now is that all of us in the world, all of us human beings in the world, we're so infatuated with possessions and leisure and accomplishments and our business, our church, our, you know, when are we going to have our next encounters with Jesus? We're so infatuated with our children and our grandchildren and our life on this earth. But this life on this earth is really just one great big question mark. Do you want Jesus or not? That's the whole purpose of this life. Is God created you for one big question. Do you want me forever? If you don't want me forever, there's no way I'll force it on you. But if you want me forever, I've done everything to make that possible for you. Um, I just want to say something. As I was praying for you, first, first of all, congratulations on 70 years. And well done for stewarding this amazing move of God. And uh, I want to add what Kate, to what Kate said, well done, Stephen Marcy, and well done to those that went before you. And as I was praying for you guys yesterday morning and waiting on the Lord, um, I don't always roll around in bed, by the way, um, I, was, I was just in the Lord and I was praying for you, and I heard these words from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, where Paul says, I planted... Apollos watered, but it's God who brings the increase. And, you know, the pastors that planted this church did an awesome job because it's still here. And I know as a farmer's boy, and my family have a, a, a large acreage farm in the United Kingdom, and so although my mom and dad were missionaries in Nigeria, my father grew up and trained as an agriculturalist, went to Nigeria as a missionary, and uh, started helping uh, the indigenous people with their agricultural um, farming. And, um, uh, but our family farm, which my father's still an owner with his uh, brothers, is still there in England. And I actually trained for three years to manage the farm. Uh, but God called me at the last minute to Toronto, um, where I've been managing a whole different farm. Uh, not really managing it, actually, just being part of it. Um, and so I know a thing or two about farming. I'm not an expert, but I know uh, enough to know that if you don't plant well, you don't have a harvest. But, and it requires a lot of work to plant. You have to clear 
you have to uh, lay an excellent seedbed that in, can involve plowing, cultivating, uh, and to get a nice tilth until the soil is in the perfect condition ready for the seed to go in. And then the seed has to be placed in uh, carefully at the exact level in the soil for that particular uh, variety of plant, uh, or of crop rather. And so Paul is saying, I planted. And he's not just, I planted. I planted. I planted an amazing seed that was a phenomenal foundation. And then he goes on to say, you know, you have to be careful what you build on that foundation. And Apollos came along and he helped to build on that seed that the Apostle Paul planted. And that Corinthian church grew up and Paul said, Apollos watered. Now, Kate and I, we know that because we love plants, and they're all around our home. We live on 12 acres. So we have, it's out in the country. So we have some nice uh, plantings all around our house. And, uh, but although it rains constantly, it feels like in North Carolina, um, it's, it's more in big storms. So we can have like 10 days without any storms. Um, but then, you know, and it gets extremely dry during those 10 days if you have plants that actually require effort. And so, and to be beautiful, flowering plants especially. And so watering can take us up to an hour to an hour and a half. And that is great downtime with Jesus. But there's something about carefully watering that, again, requires hard work. And Marcy and Steve and the other pastors before them, but they've been here for a very long time, congratulations on doing an outstanding job watering. Watering. And that's the watering of the Holy Spirit. And y'all, this is a saturated church. The presence of God. The whole atmosphere is pregnant with God's presence. And there's a lot of churches in the world that don't understand or honor the presence of God. They honor the Word of God, but not necessarily God Himself. I grew up in you know, a church that was a Bible-believing church. And the Trinity, if you were from Mars and you beamed in and beamed out again on any Sunday, you'd think that the Trinity was God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Bible. <clears throat> but it's, Jesus is the Word, and it's, the Trinity is God the Holy Spirit. God the Holy Spirit. And he finishes that passage, and I just want to speak prophetically for just a moment. He finishes that passage with this. Effectively, he says, you're all running out. One, some of you are running after Paul. Some of you are running after Apollos. But it's really Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And I'd like to just read those last verses because it's just so important. Seventy years, you guys, have been a church. Seventy years. And it's such a blessing to have, you know, these elder, this elder couple that are just here, um, that you've been here so long that we could all stand up and bless you. What an amazing couple you both are. And I would love to sit and have a nice roast dinner at your house. I bet it would be amazing. And talk about how, listen to your story about how you stewarded the behind-the-scenes structures so that everything was in place for a couple to come that would steward a move of God. Congratulations. So let no one, verse 21 of 1 Corinthians 3, let no one boast in men for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos 
or Cephas, that's an alternative Greek name for Peter, or the world, or life or death, or the present, or the future, all are yours, and you are Christ's, and Christ is God's. So let no one boast in men. You know, I felt the Holy Spirit say to me this yesterday morning that the church has never, ever had so much of a celebrity spirit as it does today here in our nation and in the Western nations of the world. If you go to China, where the church is growing faster than anywhere else in the world except Iran, Iran is the, is the fastest growing church right now in the world. By the way, when you get to heaven, you're going to have to go a long, long way to find anybody who was not made in China. I was made in Nigeria, West Africa. Most of you were made in America. But when you get to heaven, you're going to see that God really loves the Chinese. Like he's extraordinarily in love with Chinese. There's probably going to be like 10 Chinese before you find someone like me when you get to heaven. You know why? Because way back in the late 2000s, okay, so somewhere around 2006, 7, um, a, a statistic came out that was a fact. 30,000 Chinese per day coming to Jesus. That was in 2006. And they're doing it not through big crowds. They're doing it through exponential discipleship. And so if it was 30,000, you know, 15 years ago, probably today, it's like 100,000 a day coming to Jesus in China. 100,000 a day. That's just a guess. But, you know, we all get upset when we see nations doing really well, but then peel back and discover they're all turning to God. Why wouldn't they do well? Now, I'm not talking about the regime. The regime is a whole other matter. But I'm talking about God's, Jesus' Chinese bride. They're on fire, and they love him very, very much. Why wouldn't he bless them? Iran. There's just millions and millions of Iranians that Jesus is showing up to in dreams. Almost every one of them says, yes, I encountered the man in white and gave my life to him because he's God. His name is Jesus. Mm. So let nobody boast in men. We're like, well, you know, I follow this movement, and I watch that pod, listen to that podcast, and I like this particular preacher. They're amazing. Uh, I don't like them, but I love that worship leader, that style. Oh, they're awesome. And all we do is we're talking about men, 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 when it's all about Jesus. And the worst thing of all, the biggest deception of all, is that while we're boasting in men, okay, we're undermining what Jesus wants to do through each one of us. Because we're running around following this one and that one instead of discipling other people. We're not called to run after people. We're called to run after Jesus and be disciples of Jesus. And as disciples of Jesus, we're called to be disciplers of others. And our life is not about gaining a number of followers. We're not called to be liked. We're not to live our lives by this or by that. We've never been asked by Jesus to have a bunch of followers. When you get to Judgment Day, and you stand before him, and he said, well, Lord, all of my efforts, I have 100,000 followers. And he's like, oh, well, that, I mean, hmm, what I was looking for was for you to have maybe 12 people that you could turn into mighty men and women of God. That's what I was really looking for. I wasn't looking for you to have any followers. I was looking for you to make disciples. 
and turn them into disciples of others. So Paul's saying, don't boast in the person that you follow. Get rooted and grounded in the body of Christ. Stop running around all over the place. And get, allow yourself to be rooted and grounded into Christ. You know, right now, like never before, we live according to a bunch of choices. Back then, they didn't really have many choices. Now we live with multitudes of choices. Please be careful. Just because you have a multitude of choices doesn't mean you're following Jesus. And the thing about a seed, everybody, is that a seed can go anywhere it wants. A seed can be blown on the wind. A seed can be taken by an animal and pooped out somewhere. Some of you are allowing the opinions of your friends to gobble you up, carry you with them for a while, and then they poop you out somewhere. Don't do that anymore. Let's make a decision. I don't want to be a seed anymore. I want to die. I want to fall into the ground and die so that I can become what I was actually purposed for, which is not a seed, but a tree that bears seeds that become, that bears fruit, that become seeds that fall into the ground and become trees that become fruit that fall into the ground and become trees that become fruit that fall into the ground. I pray that what you do with your life is celebrated in 300 years from now if Jesus doesn't come back because there'll be generations of you from your life laid down into the ground of Jesus that he raises up and makes into a fruit tree an amazing discipling champion that does the same over and over and over again. That you don't become a dead end in the kingdom of heaven just because you spent your life following this one and that one on Twitter. And he, he says, to those of you that are willing to fall into the ground and die, to those of you that are willing to be watered, to those of you that are willing to allow God to grow you up into the building, into the house that God wants you to be in a particular location. You see, that's the thing about a fruit-bearing tree. It's days of moving are over. If you want to bear fruit, fruit that lasts, if you want to make disciples, quit moving everywhere. Quit jumping from this church to that church to the other church. Just because somebody says something you don't fancy. Get rooted and grounded into Christ. Get rooted and grounded not just into the Christ that you can see when you close your eyes and you, you imagine that he's there or he really does appear to you. But Jesus in the heavens has a body here on earth called the church. And if you want to be rooted and grounded and, and, and bear fruit in the house of the Lord, you must settle down to one place. And this is a fine place for you to get rooted and grounded and grow up. And you don't need to, I mean, you can disciple the nations somewhere in the world. But right now in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, you have, all y'all have the nations living here. You could lay down your life right here in Convergence Church and spend the rest of your life discipling the nations. You could become best friends with people from India. You could become best friends with people from Pakistan. You could become best friends with a whole bunch of new Afghanistanis that have just arrived. You could make a decision. I'm going to become somebody who smells like the multitude of flavors of food all around the world because I spent time in their houses and I discipled them and I taught them about Jesus. I didn't just teach them the American way. I taught them the Jesus way in America. And I gave my life to the nations. You could become familiar. If you've never tried Nigerian food, let me tell you something. You are missing out on some of the best food your tongue will ever, ever have the privilege of tasting. 
And if you, like me, love spicy food, get ready for your mouth to explode with the hottest food you've ever tried. For some of you, it doesn't always have to be like that, but if, they, if you want it, they'll make it like that. You have some of the finest Nigerian restaurants and food in all of America. In fact, all of the world, right here in Dallas, Texas, Fort Worth. What would it look like if you used your dining room table that very few people have ever had the privilege of eating around was no longer a showcase table for nobody who ever comes and sees how amazing it is and turn it into a place of friendship and fellowship with the nations, with people who could never pay you back. What would that look like? It would look a whole lot like Jesus. And you know what? It would be a convergence of the nations. Why don't you make a decision? I'm going to let my home be Convergence Church. An expression of Convergence Church. I'm going to let my home be an expression of the fortress of worth. Of the worth of Jesus. I'm going to Tell, I'm going to become friends with Afghanis and open their eyes to the worth of Jesus and what an awesome fortress his name is in Fort Worth because I'm part of Convergence. And Paul says this, when you stop boasting in men, so he says, let no one boast in men, for all things are yours. Could I just ask you a really simple question, everybody? What is excluded from all things? Kate and I, we're flying back to North Carolina, and we're going to fly on the same private jet that we arrived here in. Because we have a private jet, and we love it. We absolutely love it. It's fantastic. It's quite a bit larger than most private jets. And we're happy to fly in it. We're happy to fly in any seat that we fancy in our private jet. It's just that the Lord's asked us to share it with a whole lot of other people. But nevertheless, it's our jet. You see, when you're a son in the kingdom of heaven, you have a whole different mentality. When you're a son and a daughter in the kingdom of heaven, you have a totally different mentality. You realize everything already belongs to you because it all belongs to daddy. And you're his sons and daughters. He's the king of the kingdom. You have the full inheritance. So everything is yours. So what do you do with things that are yours? You take care of them. You take care of them. You steward them well. You steward them in love. You bring daddy's love to the world. So when we get on that airplane tonight, just before all the big storms come in, thank you, Jesus, on our private jet, and we're being served by all the flight attendants that are all children of God, and we're sitting next to Mr. or Mrs. Grumpy, we're not going to let them think they were sitting next to Mr. or Mrs. Grumpy. We're going to ask God's joy to explode on our private jet because we're going to steward the atmosphere in that jet. And we love stewarding the atmosphere in, the, in our jets. In fact, a few years ago, we were flying over to Columbia and we were going to do a leader school over there. And there were some Texans that, come, that were flying from Dallas. We were flying from Raleigh and then Miami. Uh, sorry, Raleigh and then Dallas-Fort Worth down to Columbia. And so we didn't know that these Texan pastors, who we didn't know, but they were friends of John and Carol's, that, and they were from uh, Gateway, they were on the aeroplane. We didn't know that. We're sitting on the aeroplane, and we were rather a long way back, but not as far back as they were. And so we were about halfway back in the aeroplane, and we're just minding our own, our own business. And all of a sudden, there's just this three rows ahead, two or three rows ahead of us, there's this explosion of anger from this woman who just leaps out of her chair halfway through the flight, turns around and starts cussing us 
and effing and blinding, as we say in England, using every book, every cuss word that felt like in the book, yelling at us, I can't stand you guys, man, it's just screaming at Kate and I. We're like, whoa. And the flight attendants came from everywhere. You know, all our flight attendants. They all came flying everywhere inside of our private jet. And they're like, ma'am, uh, what's wrong? I hate these two, she's screaming. We're just minding, I was reading my Bible. Kate was probably doing the same, listening to some, her Bible on the thing. Anyway, they moved her up further up to the front of the plane, found her an empty seat, sat her down, settled her down. We get to the hotel later, and there's these two American pastors that are checking in at the hotel, and they're like, hi, you two must be Duncan and Kate Smith. I said, oh, how did you know that? She said, oh, we were on the same airplane. We saw the whole crazy freak-out debacle that was on there, and when that lady was just manifesting the demonic left, right, and center because of the presence of God that was on the two of you, we just looked at each other and said, that must be Duncan and Kate Smith. <laughs> And I just want to deliver one last thing to you, and then we're, we're going to pray for you. And it's, it's basically from Luke 5, and I'll just show you this quickly. Verse 33, they said to him, the disciples of John fast often and often and offer prayers, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees, but yours are always eating and drinking. And Jesus said to them, can you make wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast in those days. He also told them a parable. No one tears a piece of a new garment and puts it on an old garment. If he does, he will tear the new one, and the piece from the new will not match the old. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the new wine will burst the skins and it will be spilled and the skins will be destroyed. But the new wine must be put into fresh wineskins. And no one, after drinking old wine, ever desires the new. For they say, the old was better. And I want to say this to you today. I'd like you all to stand. I want to say this to you today, Convergence Church, led by our beautiful friends, Stephen Marcy and the whole team. You guys are one of our favorite churches. This is our third time of being here. We tucked you up in our hearts a long time ago. And we love this church. And we feel part of the family, actually, whether you like that or not. We, we do. We just feel part of the family. We feel the love of God here. And I want you to know I've been preaching bold this morning, and I've been challenging you boldly. Kate, Kate and I have been challenging you boldly precisely because we trust that you trust our hearts are good towards you. That nothing that we've said is coming from a heart that says you're not good enough. We're simply provoking you into fully giving your life to Jesus instead of yourself and your ego or your appetite. So that one day we covet, that one day when you're standing before him and we all will, you'll hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. You love not your life till the end enter into the kingdom enter into your rest the kingdom prepared for you from before time began the Lord showed me that if you want that he showed me this that today's new wineskin is last year's sacrificed lamb you see we're so used to wine coming in bottles or God forbid that you drink it out of boxes. But we've lost touch with the life and death process necessary for wine. We've lost touch 
that to have wine today, it cost you something. Little Johnny that you raised, who was such a beautiful lamb, when little Johnny was a year old and big enough, in that moment, you had to make a choice. It's either your life, Johnny, so I can have new wine next year, or I'm going to let you live and have no wine. And of course, Jesus is speaking about his own body. He's the ultimate lamb of God, the ultimate wine skin for the new wine that we're all enjoying. But he's asking you today, are you willing today to be a sacrificial lamb so that this time next year you can have a move of God? Are you willing to be slaughtered? Are you willing to be stretched out? Are you willing to be exposed to the sun, S-O-N, until you are ready as a skin for him to fill with what's so precious to him, he will never let any of it be spilled or wasted. His new wine, and I believe Marcy and Steve, together with Kate, Jesus is at the door. You're about to enter into a new move of God. And this time, because you're already carrying the love of God, this time it'll be the glory of God revealed. And I tell you what, people will be trembling just walking into the doors. It will be literally dangerous to be part of this church. Not, excuse me, let me start again. For the family of this church, there'll be no danger at all. But the world will consider it literally dangerous to walk in, but they'll rush in, flocking in. And it will be dangerous for them. It will cost them their whole life, but they'll gain it with Jesus. Amen? And if that's what you want, and you're willing to be part of this family that says, I'm all in. I'm not going to roll around in bed like Duncan. When Jesus is right here saying, there's a move coming. I'm all in. I'm going to get my gun, the Holy Spirit. I'm going to let my life be a sacrificial lamb. I'm going to lay down my life so that Jesus can turn me into a move of God. I'm willing to be planted and pay the price of no longer going wherever I want so that I'm no longer a seed with potential but become a tree that's bearing seeds. If that's you, like this precious man right here has shown the way, that's what you want, young and old, flock down here to the front. Just keep coming out. Keep coming. For those of you that feel that you'd rather stay so that you're not too close to people. Heaven understands that. I understand that. Stay right where you are because the Lord knows you would have come. He knows where you are. And that's perfectly fine. And join in from wherever, you're, wherever you are. But folks, this is your moment with Jesus right now. just start dying. Lord, I don't want to be a good-looking fruit on someone else's tree any longer. I'm going to allow myself to fall to the ground, splat. And if you want to bury me, then go ahead and bury me right now. If I never, ever become the somebody I've always wanted to be, I'm fine with that, Jesus. 
because I don't want to be a somebody. I want you, the true somebody, to be known by everybody. I want everyone to know you, Jesus, through my life. Lord, I don't want to be a somebody. I want you to be everything. Now go ahead and just let him bury you right now. Let him bury you into Convergence Church. Some of you just need to make that decision in your heart. This is my church, no matter what. What an example of those elders that have been here for decades. Lord, this is my church, no matter what. Bury me. Take all my choices away from me, Lord. And give me single-hearted devotion to you. Lord, I don't want to be famous on earth. I want to be famous in heaven. Lord, give me a heart of love for your people that you're bringing from all over the world to the Metroplex. I give you my home, Lord. I give you my dining room table, my chairs. Lead me to people that you want to fill my dining room table with. Break my heart and give me the capacity to embrace the inconvenience of love. Lord, I give you everything that's precious in my life. Most especially my time, my comforts. I give you my bed. I'm willing to give it up. I just want you. Now just picture yourself as a lamb joining Jesus, the Lamb of God who took away the sins of the world because he loved not his life, but he gave his life for his friends. He gave his life for us all and was slaughtered at the cross. And just let your life be a slaughtered lamb in his hands. Here's my little life, Jesus. I put it into your nail-pierced hands. Pierce my hands at the same time. Pierce my feet at the same time. Captivate me to your will forever. And turn me into everything you've ever wanted me to become. A tree of life. Discipling the nations. Right here in Fort Worth, Dallas. And I promise to give you all the glory, Jesus. Take out of me every desire to follow the celebrity spirit. And give me an undivided heart of devotion to you, Jesus. And a true love for human beings sons and daughters. Lord, we just come and, and just want to say yes to what you've released to us today. Yes, Lord. we thank you for where you're taking us. We thank you for where we're going. We thank you for this clear call to make disciples. And Lord, would, would you help us, God? We, 
We just want to come, Lord, and even I want to come, Lord, and just repent of the of the mindset of it's how many how many members, how many followers, how many this, Lord. And I just want to say, Lord, I'm sorry for that mindset in me. And I want to fully return to what you said, that we are here to make disciples. And Jesus, you poured your life into the three and into the 12. And I pray that we would be in this next 70, Lord, much more than before, a church that makes disciples. Lord, we thank you for the disciples that have been made. But God, we're here for that fresh commitment to make disciples. And Lord, we thank you for the nations that are here in Fort Worth, Texas. We say yes, Lord. And we're also here, Lord, to lay our lives down, to say whatever the cost, Lord, we're here to be those wineskins for the fresh outpouring that is coming in the Spirit. And we say yes, Jesus. We say yes. We say yes to your knocking on the door of our homes, our tables, Lord, our tables of fellowship with you and tables of discipleship. Yes, Lord. Thank you. Yes, God. If you're signed up, I just feel like we just need to say yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Lord, we're signed up. Lord, we're signed up for the fresh move of the Spirit, whatever it looks like, however it comes, however strange, different, whatever it is, Lord. We are not expecting it to be the same. We say yes. And Lord, we're signed up to make disciples, to multiply our lives into others, God. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, and we just receive right now, just as a church right now, we receive the new more. We say yes to the new more. We cry out right now, just as we cried out for so many years, we cried out more. I've learned how to say it in several languages. <laughs> as people all over the world were crying out for more. Right now, we do. We cry out for the new more. We're here for it. God, I thank you for this amazing, amazing body of believers who have been in for it together as a family. And I believe that it is the time for the greater glory. It's the greater glory. And we've pressed in and we've pressed on as a body. And I believe we're going all the way into the greater glory. We will not stop short of it. Not for any reason. We're in for it, Jesus. We're all in for it. we thank you that you said you said in John 14 you said greater works than these you shall do and so Lord this morning we're putting a stake into the ground we're putting a seed into the ground and we're saying we will die with that seed in order that the greater works may manifest in order that there would be greater fruit in John 15 it says that we're nothing apart from the vine and so this morning, Lord, we're planting that seed in order that we may die, in order that he can grow us into the new thing, into the next thing. So, Lord, as a church and as a house, we just say we're in for it, whatever it looks like. Lord, we're in for it, whatever it looks like, Lord. 
<laughs> Revival is for those who refuse to live without it. Come on. I refuse to live without it. I refuse to live without the living water. I refuse to live without a move, a fresh move of the Holy Spirit in my generation and in my lifetime. I refuse, as a young person, age 31, I refuse to not cry out for the more on behalf of my generation. On behalf of the millennial generation, I refuse to cry out. I say, I cry out for more. Lord, would you use my generation to touch Generation Z, Lord, to touch the next generation, Lord? Would you use my generation to light a fire, God? In this place, in this church, we plant a seed and we say, now is the time. Now is the time. Would you ignite fresh fire in every single person in the room right now? Ignite fresh fire. Holy Spirit, Marcus. We lay down everything that needs to stay at this altar. I feel like there are things that they, they aren't leaving with us today. They're staying at the altar. There's things that we need to leave behind. Lord, I leave behind performance. I leave behind my reputation. I leave behind any desire for influence. And may my life be lived for intimacy because, you see, influence is the fruit of intimacy. So, Lord, we lay anything that needs to stay here. I feel like there are things that need to stay here this morning. Lord, I leave behind a lack mindset this morning. Any area in my mind that has lived from a place of I don't have enough. I leave that behind this morning. Right now, just anything that's coming to your mind, just ask the Holy Spirit, what do I need to leave at this altar in order that I might plant that seed? What do I need to leave behind? to step into the new because we're stepping into the more but to step into the more we have to leave behind the things that don't go into the more the things that don't go into the next season you can't have new wine with old wineskins because they would burst you have to put them in new wineskins so Lord we ask you that you would we would leave behind any old wineskins that we need to leave behind in order that the fresh move of the spirit would be released in this hour and in this next season. Yeah, I do. I, I feel like even um, as we wrap up, I actually feel like you, if, if, if God, if you and God are, are still in, in a place <clears throat> where you're not ready to do this, feel free. But if you're ready, I feel like we actually need to stand up. And I feel like it's a prophetic act. One, we are rising out of lack into abundance. And this is a prophetic act of that. This is also a prophetic act. It's so interesting to me that Duncan was led by the Spirit this morning to, it, it, to talk a lot about awakening. And about not going back to sleep and not staying in our comfortable place, but awakening and responding to the knock. And Will, when he spoke Friday night, he said this. He said, we've seen the awakening, but now we're going to see the awakening. And so I believe that is a word. That is a word to respond to. And I believe as we stand right now that we are saying, yes, I will be awake 
and I'm all in for the awakening. I want us to uh, Isaiah 54 verse 1 It always takes miraculous work of the Holy Spirit for me to even see this Bible. I kind of have the verse memorized so when I see the form of it, I can recognize it. Shout for joy, O barren one, and you who have borne no child. Break forth into joyful shouting and cry aloud. You who have not travailed, for the sons of the desolate one will be more numerous than the sons of the married woman, says the Lord. Enlarge your tent, stretch and cultivate the dwellings and spare not. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your pegs, for you will spread abroad to the right and to the left. So, Father, we just thank you for increase. We thank you for the next 70 ahead. And we just want to shout for joy, saying thank you for what you've done, and thank you for what you're about to do. 